I'd like to ask y'all to listen prayerfully as Brother Will Vest comes and presents us with his message this morning. I asked him how he wanted to be introduced, and he said just as Will Vest. So if you want to ask me anything else, who his parents are, wait till after church. morning church and happy father's day i wanted to leave my dad out of this in case any of y'all had any negative feelings towards him or if you knew how long his sermons usually go but i want to thank y'all for letting me come and deliver a message today because i'm not as seasoned a preacher as Bob, which I'm not calling him old, but he's definitely an elder. And if you want to write that in your sermon notes, feel free. We live in uncertain and volatile times right now, or at least it seems to me to be that way. And with all the negativity and strife that seems to be around us, whether it's as a nation, as a religious body, as an individual, there's one thing that I believe is probably at the heart of this. C.S. Lewis talked about one of the greatest passions of man wasn't his love for his neighbor, his commitment to his family, it was the horror of the same old thing meaning that something that is isn't fresh or new or is something that we've heard time and time again becomes scary adverse to us we don't like it we don't want to hear it we're against it i believe one of the reasons for all that negativity is because the gospel story has fallen into that category of the same old thing. And I think I can prove it rather quickly. How many times have we heard a gospel presentation and someone screams, hold up, God dies in this book. The main character, my favorite character, dies in this book. Well, I'm going to have to read this book a whole lot more if God dies in the book that's about God. I thought he was God. Or when was the last time we heard wailing from someone because the love of God was so strong that it pulled on their heartstrings? We're either in that stage of thinking of the gospel as the same old thing or we might be moving towards it. So today, I would like to present to you the hidden gospel that maybe not everyone has heard or is simply an angle we don't hear often. Turn with me to Mark 15, 6 through 15. Now at the feast, he used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. And the crowd came up 
and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. And he answered them, saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered him up. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. And Pilate again said to them, Then what shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. And Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Mark is giving us an account of Jesus' trial before the cross. But we find a strange character that is brought into the narrative named Barabbas. He's the leader of an insurrection, a murderer, a rebel. He is a character being put beside Jesus at the climax of history. Why? The storybook of time has its focal points on the events of this day, of this trial. The creation of the universe, the creation of all things in existence, took 56 verses. Jesus' journey to the cross took 161. I know I took the time to count them for y'all this morning. The most important story in history is unfolding. Disciples are abandoning instead of following. Jesus Christ is afraid and crying tears of blood. God is ready to unleash unimaginable wrath. And this weird figure, who by all accounts is scum, stands on a stage with the Lamb at the most important time in all of history. God's birth. The birth of God God made flesh is only in two of the Gospels. Barabbas makes all four. Why is this man parallel Jesus? Because from the beginning of the world to the end, these two have been center stage. Because this trial isn't a typical one time judgment. It is the eternal trial happening for millennia. And a deeper look into the trial will hopefully show us the good news of these events. Firstly, there are two misconceptions that seem to always crop up with this story. The first is, we seem to read the story as a miscarriage of justice. Well, the people chose Barabbas instead of Jesus. God was sent to the cross, not the guilty man. It's a story showing the sick in mind of sinners freeing Barabbas over Jesus, or of Pilate, a coward, who only freed Jesus because his sense of justice was dependent on popularity. The first misconception is that the people didn't want Barabbas, that he was a villain, ugly and abhorrent, but they just chose him over Jesus because they didn't like Jesus. 
He wouldn't have been seen as a lesser choice or even anything bad to the people. Barabbas was a Jew who fought Rome, the governing body over the Jews, who had power over the Jews. He fought Rome for his community, for his Jewish brothers and sisters. He went against Rome. Remember his crimes, Mark 15, 7. And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. Murder at an insurrection. He was trying to save the Jews, right? He was trying to save us from those evil Romans who were killing us and oppressing us. He was what they wanted in a savior. A strong man of action who was willing to do what he had to do for our sake. Not someone who washed the feet of his followers. They wanted a savior who rode into town, armor clad with weapons of war on a mighty horse. Not someone who, according to Matthew 21, 5, was humble and mounted on a donkey. The Jews took real issue to this form of a Savior. And we can empathize with them, can't we? Look at our cultural heroes. Arnold Schwarzenegger, or however you say his last name. I love his movies. Because he looked like a guy whose parents should have named him Cinderblock or Machine Gun. He's an impressive looking person. We want a Superman. We don't want Clark Kent. I want a Savior who scares my enemies. Who looks always ready to fight. Well, so did the Jews. So they picked Barabbas. A false Messiah. And one of the most unbelievable things about this story is that Barabbas was a good guy in the eyes of the Jews. They were an oppressive body, the Romans, over the Jews, challenged and even killed their people. Barabbas led an insurrection against them. He was trying to deliver his people by leading the Jews. Barabbas was more like a savior, Messiah, they wanted than Jesus. He killed instead of forgave, tried in his own power instead of relied on God. Sadly, people haven't changed much from then to now. The next misconception when reading this story is that the people freed Barabbas. That Pilate used his Roman authority to choose to send God to his death. If we know this can't be true, then why do we read it this way? They chose him, but they did not free him. They did not judge him. The one true judge had decided the outcome of this trial long before this day ever happened. The sentence was not unjust. 
In fact, it was and is gracious and merciful. God alone chose Jesus to take Barabbas' place. God sent Jesus to be at this trial and for him to go to the cross. Not Barabbas. It was foretold before the storybook of time was written that Barabbas would go free and Christ would take his cross. Zechariah 12.10 And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy so that when they look on me, on him who they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. God said, I will. Not Pilate will. Not the people will. God alone controlled that day. Only he chose to save. To think the people could send God to his death and Barabbas to salvation is not knowing the gospel. God wasn't given Barabbas' place. God took Barabbas' place. Barabbas' false messianic mantle and the people's false intellect only serves in this story to show that they are doomed in their own power. So when you try to save your own life, try to judge what is good and what is not, control your own life and your own power, you are saying, I am in charge. I can take this mantle and rule my own life. But God is the one who chose. He is the one who chooses. He is the one who designs. He is the one who orchestrates. God chose to set Barabbas free on that stage for one simple fact that is echoed through the Bible, through the covenants, through the gospel. God loves Barabbas. Why is God saving Barabbas and not letting him, who is guilty, get his punishment? If anything, knowing the context of the trial makes the case more clear that Barabbas should have went to the cross and Jesus should have went free. The story of Barabbas didn't end at the trial, though. Set free to never be thought of or mentioned again. Barabbas is the silent third party to all of history, whose story is always being told. And it's clear to see how, when we do a simple Greek reading of Barabbas' name, Bar is son, Abba is father. Barabbas' name is son of the father. There were two sons of the father on that stage that day. That stage held two children of God. God's omniscient design is so apparent here in Barabbas' name, God shows his signature. Now, I can clearly say, 
I know who Barabbas is. Even if the name wasn't enough, the life, the guilt does. I am Barabbas. I am a man that lived without God, making my own way, trying to rule my own life, wearing that false crown that I made. We are all sons of the Father. Barabbas' story is my story. It's your story. Barabbas wasn't the only one to share that stage with my brother Jesus. I too am familiar with that stage. I'm guilty. I have a cross ready for me. A death ready for me. Because I am Barabbas. I'm guilty. There are three verses that show God's forgiveness and intercession and my guilt. Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 1 Corinthians 5, 7. Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. And lastly, one you might know, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God gave. At that trial, God gave me an intercessor. No man chose to save me from death on a cross. We have a Passover lamb that is God sent to take our place. But sadly, morosely, grievously, that's not where the story ends, is it? Our sins, they carry a great cost. They force the writing of another chapter. It isn't just trial. There's also, sadly, punishment. Everything from trial to the cross was meant for Barabbas, not Jesus. Those lashings were supposed to strike Barabbas' back, tear and rip Barabbas. The spit in the eyes of the lamb was meant for Barabbas, not Jesus. Those were Barabbas' nails driven into Jesus' hands and his feet. That spear that cut into God's side was Barabbas' spear. That false crown laden on Christ's head was one that Barabbas himself made and thought he could wear. A false king. And sadly, but most importantly, that death was Barabbas' death. That cross you know and wear, that cross we have on our Bibles, we have jewelry on our cars and our houses, that cross wasn't Jesus' cross. 
Jesus never had sin to build a cross. Jesus never fell to temptation. Jesus was perfect and will remain in heaven from his cross. Even when Jesus was hanging on that cross, it was still Barabbas' cross. That cross you look at and see Jesus, Jesus looks at and sees you. God chose Jesus to go to the cross because he knew, and this is the most important thing I'll say today, that he had to treat Jesus like Barabbas so that he could treat Barabbas like Jesus. Jesus took your place. Jesus took my place. He stood there silently for he knew the will of the Father. Even when the crowd screamed, crucify him, he knew. Barabbas wasn't the only son of the Father to stand on that stage with Jesus. We might be hesitant to say we are Barabbas. We might say, well, I'm not perfect, but... I don't think I've ever murdered anybody. I don't think I've ever led an insurrection. I'm not really the rebellious type. I don't even know how to work a microwave at times. But we are like the prodigal son. We are away from our father, living in a pigsty. We have abandoned him for what we think we can do for ourselves. What we think we can do in our own power. We are guilty. And we chose ourselves over God. What's more heinous than that? We chose violent. We chose hate. We chose greed. We chose lust. We chose to live in our own power. We are guilty. A guilty sinner who spit in the face of God, the perfect lamb. He came to the world for me, and I gave him birth in a barn. I gave him poverty. I gave him temptation. I gave him a stomach that hungers mouth that thirsts. I gave him cold and discomfort. I gave him loneliness. I gave him heartbreak. I gave him pain. I gave him agony. And worst of all, I gave him fear so intense I made God cry. And finally, at my judgment, I'm going to pay for all the pain that I caused him. All those things that I forced Jesus to do when he came to the world he didn't have anywhere to lay his head was seen as a worm and no man I caused that and a beaten and bloody Christ at my hands looks at me and says no 
That's not everything. You have something else to give. Give me your punishment. Let me go in your stead. Let me have the nails. Let me have your sin. Let me have your cross. And let me have your death. I, guilty Barabbas, stand there and I say, okay, God. Okay. And I give him my sin. And I give him my pain. And I give him my cross. And he takes it while I stand free of the cross I built myself in my sin. And he says, go, son. I paid your price. You've given it all to me now. Listen to me, please. The gospel isn't a man strong and brave who can do for himself, rises up to challenges and fights against the powers that oppress him. The gospel is a lamb, innocent and perfect, who came to save a rebel who could never save himself like me. There's no answer in yourself. You, Barabbas, have tried to walk through life in your own strength, Fix your life by your own hands. Dared to lead as a lost man. Don't try to carry your cross. There's only one who can take your cross. Who can take the Father's wrath. Who can rise again. And who wants desperately to take your cross from you. Give it to him. Give him your cross. And if you're a good person, you might say, I can't. I deserve it. I deserve the pain. I deserve the punishment. I deserve the death. I deserve the shame. After all, I was the one who did it all. Jesus said, no. Let me have it. You can't carry your cross. You couldn't control your own life through your own power, so stop trying. Brother, you can't take our Father's wrath. You are not He who saves. I am. I am Adonai. I am Jehovah. I am the mighty God. I am the Prince of Peace, the everlasting God. I am the God of eternity. I am the captain of the hosts. I am he who sitteth king forever. I am the lily of the valley and the rock of ages. I am ruler and servant. I am the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the alpha and the omega. I am the true light. I am the bright and morning star. He can take it. Because he's the only one who doesn't deserve it. The story of Barabbas should be the story of two men on a stage. One walking away free of his chains. And one walking away burdened 
with the cross only he can carry. Are you Barabbas? Going to give Jesus your cross? Admit that we can't do things in our own power? That's why they call the gospel the good news. Because it's not about us. It's about Jesus and what Jesus can do. Not about what we can't do. So in these times of strife and struggle, remember Barabbas. Remember Barabbas's guilt. Remember Barabbas's sin. Remember the cross of the the cost of the cross. And then I bet everything will dull. All these worries will pale in light of God's power. In light of God's design. And of in His control. We can have rest. Can have peace. And can remember the good news. And shake off the horror of the same old thing. We should never get tired of hearing the gospel. We should never get tired of hearing about the God who saves. So if we remember this story and all the other stories in the Bible of the Passover lamb, of the Messiah, of the Savior, of the one who cares for me, knowing everything about me, then we can have hope. And isn't that what the gospel is about? Isn't that what coming to church is about? Hope. Galatians 2.20, and I'll end on this. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's pray. Father.